Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Well, good morning everybody. Let me start by making an obvious comment. I am not going through puberty, okay? My throat is causing me some problems and it's a little bit annoying also because last night Leah said to me, hey, it's okay because one of our female vocalists, Amber Lee, is really struggling with a throat issue also. Well, I just heard her sing pieces, and I don't sound like that, okay? So my, when I have throat issues, I sound different than that, I'll tell you that right now. You know, a few times throughout this journey that we're taking uh, through the Gospel of John, I've reached a particular passage, and I feel like God's impressed upon me the need that we have to push pause, to lean in. And we've reached just such, such a passage in John chapter 12. So I'm going to read it for you, and then I'm going to try to tell you, explain to you why we've decided, why I feel like we're supposed to push pause. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, who he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. The next day, the huge crowd that had arrived for the feast heard that Jesus was entering Jerusalem. They broke off palm branches and went out to meet him, and they cheered, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in God's name. Yes, the king of Israel. Jesus got a young donkey and rode it, just as the scripture has it. No fear, daughter Zion. See how your king comes, riding a donkey's colt. The disciples didn't notice the fulfillment of many scriptures at that time. But after Jesus was glorified, they remembered that what was written about him matched what was done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, was there giving eyewitness accounts. It was because they had spread the word of this latest God sign that the crowd swelled to a welcoming parade. The Pharisees took one look and threw up their hands. It's out of control. The world's in a stampede after him. Now, if you grew up going to Sunday school, you might recognize these events, captured in John chapter 12, came to be known as Palm Sunday. And when I arrived at this particular passage, I was all excited and ready to write a Palm Sunday sermon. You know, talk about the fact that the crowd chanted Hosanna. Hosanna is such a cool word. It means, Jesus, you can save me. You will save me. You have saved me. So it's an expression of need, an expression of confidence, and an expression of gratitude all rolled up into one. Or we could have talked about the fact that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the colt of a donkey, which fulfilled an Old Testament prophecy made over 500 years earlier, found in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. But every time I sat down to write that traditional Palm Sunday sermon, there was an image that came to my mind. So I want to explain that image to you, but before I do that, I want to read you a passage out of Ephesians chapter 6. It says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The message paraphrase puts it this way. And that about wraps it up. 
God is strong and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no weekend war that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. There is more to you than meets the eye. I don't think that's an outlandish statement, right? You are more than brains and brawn. You are more than skin deep. I think we get that. Your value is not determined by what you can bench press or how you look in a bathing suit or what you would score on an IQ test. There is more to you than meets the eye. I think you would agree. And if you agreed with that, you would probably then have to agree there's also more to me than meets the eye. That you and me, we go a lot more than skin deep. We're more than brains and brawn. That's why if you and I, you or I were to meet somebody today who has a different emotional or physical capacity than we do, we would never think of walking away from that person and think that somehow their value is affected as a human being because of the fact that their capacity might be different than ours. That makes sense, right? That's why in the world today, when we see somebody who treats somebody as if they're just a brain, as if they're just a body, we hate that. We call it objectification. And we should hate it. It's ugly. So I don't think I've said anything to you, whether you're watching online or in person. My goal today is not to throw some truth at you that's going to just take you completely by surprise. My goal today is that we would move step by step into things that maybe we all know already, but haven't thought about in a while. So if I tell you there's more to you than meets the eye, and, and then I say there's more to me than meets the eye, then my next step would be suggest this. There's more to this world than meets the eye. Like you and me, we live in what's called a physical world. Our senses are attuned to it. We get it. But according to Ephesians chapter 6 and passages throughout the entire Bible, there's more going on than meets the eye. There's a spiritual reality in this world. That where our senses are attuned to the physical world, there's a spiritual reality too. In fact, Ephesians 6 says there's a spiritual battle going on. Again, whether you're watching online or in person, I don't think I'm telling you anything that you don't already know. That's why sometimes this world feels more difficult than it should feel. That's why we look around the world and we see there's lots of beauty, but there's also lots of ugly. That's why we look around the world and we see pain and we see heartbreak, we see anxiety, we see depression. There's something going on. There's more to this than meets the eye. There's a spiritual battle raging. The Bible says that the roots of this spiritual battle go back centuries and centuries. <clears throat> there was an angel in heaven named Lucifer. And he didn't want to worship God. Lucifer wanted to be worshipped as God. And so he launched a rebellion. He recruited one-third of the angels in heaven to join him in his rebellion. Lucifer and his rebel angels were defeated. They were cast down from heaven, now known as the devil and his demons. And so what we see now is we see this battle between God and the devil. Good versus evil. Life versus death. Light versus darkness. Hope versus despair. Faith versus faithlessness. See, I don't think I'm telling you anything that you don't already know. I was thinking about it last night, you know. It's even about the books that we read and the movies we watch. You know what book nobody would read? You know what movie nobody would watch? 
Harry Potter and the carefree childhood. Why not? Like, why does Luke Skywalker need Darth Vader? Why does Frodo Baggins need Sauron? Even Winnie the Pooh. Why does Winnie the Pooh need a blustery day? Why that kind of day? Why would nobody watch Harry Potter and the Carefree Childhood? Listen, because this is important. I'm telling you stuff that you already know, but maybe you haven't thought about it in a while. The reason why nobody would read that book, the reason why nobody would watch that movie, is because it doesn't relate to us at all. It doesn't speak to our inner truth. It doesn't call us to our reality. Because the truth is, this world is not a playground. This world is a battleground. I've said this before. If something should be easy, but it's not easy. If something should be simple, but it's not simple. If something should be straightforward, but it's not straightforward. If something really should make sense, but it doesn't make sense, look for a spiritual battle. So every time I sat down and wanted to write this traditional Palm Sunday sermon, I got this image. I got this image of Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the colt of a donkey, and I got this image of this incredible spiritual battle that was raging. If something should make sense, but it doesn't make sense, look for a spiritual battle. So let's talk about the Pharisees. The Pharisees were religious Jews. As long as they could remember, they had been longing for the coming of the Messiah. Okay? And then Jesus shows up on the scene, and Jesus is preaching, and he's healing people, and he's casting out demons. And the Pharisees opposed Jesus. Why? Because they said, here's this guy claiming to be the Messiah, but he's not. That, by the way, makes perfect sense. That makes sense. You know, like, we've been longing for the Messiah for our whole lives, and now this dude claims to be him, but he ain't. We're going to oppose him. That makes perfect sense. And then, Jesus raises Lazarus from death to life. Many were there to witness it, and the eyewitness account is spreading, and now there's no more debate. There's no more, no more uncertainty. This man has authority even over the grave. He is the Messiah. And now these Pharisees, the Pharisees who've been longing for the coming of the Messiah, they've been hungering for generation after generation after generation for the Messiah to come. Now that they know that Jesus really is the Messiah, they oppose him more than they did when they thought he wasn't. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't. The image I got as I sat down to write this traditional Palm Sunday sermon was this battle that was raging as Jesus rode into Jerusalem. Now I know there are some scholars that will say, well, no, the reason why the Pharisees opposed Jesus is because they wanted a spiritual Messiah, but they also wanted a political Messiah, and Jesus had made it clear, I didn't come to be your earthly king. Yeah, fair, but let me say it again. Here's Jesus. He's proved that he is the Messiah, and now they're plotting to kill him. It doesn't make sense. If something should make sense, but it doesn't, look for a spiritual battle. 
Now, if you grew up going to Sunday school, maybe you know that the, the crowds that started out waving the palm branches and yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Those same crowds that were yelling Hosanna, a few days later were calling out crucify him. That doesn't make sense. Maybe you say, well, no, it makes sense to me, Mike, because I've had people like that in my life. I've had someone who I thought had my back, and then they stabbed me in it. I get that. Yeah, that's my point. You know, that, that's exactly my point. That's evidence of the spiritual battle that is raging, that we have a God who is faithful, but we have an enemy who is faithless. If something should make sense, but it doesn't make sense, look for a spiritual battle. And it got me thinking about you, whether you're watching online or here in person. I want to know, is there something in your life that should make sense, but it doesn't? Is there something in your life that should be easy, but it's not? Is there something in your life that should be simple, but it's just not, that should make sense, but it doesn't? Maybe it's your friendships, maybe it's your marriage. There's a certain way that you want to act in your marriage. There's a certain person that you want to be in your marriage. But for some reason, as bad as you seem to want it, you can't pull it off. Maybe there's an obsession in your life, a compulsion in your life, maybe even an addiction in your life where you're being controlled to do things that you truly don't want to do. And it doesn't make sense. Maybe for you, it's your relationship with money. You don't want to spend more money and go further into debt, but something about you just keeps going further and further into debt. Maybe it's your relationship with food. You, you know what you want to eat. You know the stuff that you want to use to fuel your body, but yet you don't do it. What's going on? Maybe you want to be someone who tells the truth, but you get to the end of the day every day and you go, I did it again. I was lying again. I want to ask you, you feel stuck? You feel stagnant? Do you feel like there's an area where you would look back in your life and for years and years and years, you haven't made any progress? If something should make sense, but it doesn't make sense, that's the evidence of a spiritual battle. I know scholars will say, but it's all good. It all worked out fine, right? Like the devil and his demons inspired the Pharisees to plot to kill Jesus. The devil and his Demons inspired the crowds to go from Hosanna to crucify him. In fact, the devil and his demons convinced one of Jesus' own disciples to betray him. And later on this same week, this same Palm Sunday week, they nailed Jesus to a cross and he died. And in that moment, the powers of darkness, the powers of death, the powers of despair, the powers of faithlessness, the devil and all his demons celebrated in that moment. But on the third day, Jesus rose, and, and, and he's victorious, and he defeated death, he defeated despair, he defeated the devil, he defeated his demons. That's all true. But here's the picture I couldn't shake. At what cost? What about the casualties? Let's get specific. What about the crowd that went from chanting Hosanna to crucify him? What about them? What about the Pharisees who plotted to kill Jesus? What about them? What about the disciple who betrayed Jesus? 
It's a great cost and great casualties. You say, well, didn't Jesus defeat the devil when he rose from death? He did. He's victorious. Okay, well, why is the war still raging? That's actually a great question. I want to take us back in history a little bit to explain. So back in September of 1939, World War II started. Okay, so Hitler's Germany, Hitler's Germany invaded Poland. On September 3rd, the British declared war. World War II started. Between 1939 and 1942, Hitler and Germany continued to expand their power, expand their influence. Until by 1942, Hitler was either allied with or controlled almost all of continental Europe. But from 1942 on, the tide began to turn. The Allies began to push back until on June 6, 1944, they launched something called Operation Overlord, otherwise known as D-Day. On June the 6th, 1944, the Allies, the Canadians, the British, the Americans, we launched an invasion back into Western Europe, into Normandy, France. And we successfully opened up a second front. Back in June of 1944, we successfully opened a second front. At that moment, Hitler was done. He had lost. He was going to be defeated. And yet the war continued for 11 more months. Between June of 1944 and May of 1945, the war kept raging. Hundreds of thousands of casualties. Historians will tell you that in those 11 months, Hitler was his most ruthless, his most bloodthirsty, his most vicious. He knew he was going to lose, but he was going to take his toll. Where are you and I living right now? We are living smack dab in the middle of the 11 months. That's where we are. You have a spiritual enemy who has been defeated. His defeat, is, his defeat is certain, and yet the war still wages. The devil cannot do any harm to God, but he knows that God loves you, so he's going to come after you. Where do we live right now? We live in the 11 months. That's where we're living. And so I just felt inspired as I turned to this passage on Palm Sunday that we needed to take a five-week pause, and I wanted to talk to you about winning your war. I want you to win your war. And so today I want to start, I want to give you two steps to win your war. Okay, two simple steps. You need to be aware and you need to ask. You need to be aware and you need to ask. How do you win your war? Number one, you need to be aware. C.S. Lewis put it this way. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both heirs and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. You need to be aware. I think we can make some mistakes. On one hand, we can get obsessed. The devil and, and, and demons, we can just get obsessed with it, right? See, here's the truth. Your, your breakfast this morning didn't suck because of the demon of burnt toast. Okay, you left the bread in the toaster a little too long. Okay, so we, we don't err on the side of obsession, but, but neither do we err on the side of ignoring. You know what I mean? My senses are attuned to the physical world, but I can't see it and I can't touch it, so I'm just gonna pretend it's not there. 
No, we're going to be aware because here's the thing that I know. If I'm in a fight, if you're in a fight, if you're in the middle of a battle, it probably doesn't help much to pretend you're not there. So we're, we're not going to live in obsession. We're not going to live in ignorance, but we are going to be aware. I want you to be, we, be aware we're in a fight. Secondly, you will win. You will win your war. You will win your war with God. With God's help, you will win your war. You will win your war with God's help. There's this passage in the Old Testament, prophet named Elisha. Such an awesome story. So the Israelites have an enemy, the Arameans, okay? And the Arameans really want to conquer Israel, but they got a problem. And their problem is named Elisha, the prophet. Because what happens is God keeps telling Elisha exactly what the Arameans are going to do. So the Arameans are like, we got a great plan. We're going to conquer Israel. It's going to be awesome. And Elisha has already told the king of Israel what's going to happen. And they're waiting for the Arameans. So eventually the Arameans figure it out. You know what? We got to take out Elisha first and then we'll conquer Israel. So one morning, Elisha and his servant wake up in this tiny little town. And the servant goes out and he looks and he says, oh no. The Arameans have us completely surrounded. We're cooked. It's over. 2 Kings 6. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You will win your war. With God's help, you will. You will win your war. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 1 Corinthians, verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Victory is ours in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter eight. We are more than conquerors through him who called us. You will win your war with God's help. We need to be aware. Not obsessed. Not living in ignorance, but aware. You will win your war with God's help. One more thing though. You'll lose by yourself. <coughs> you will lose by yourself. You will lose by yourself. Say, I'm a Christian, I can't lose. Oh, sure you can. This is pretty intricate. So if, you grow up, if you've grown up going to church, I'm about to say something to you that might shock you a little bit, but I really need you to listen. Okay? You will lose on your own. You say, well, my eternity is secure. It sure is. Absolutely. The minute you put your faith in Jesus Christ, your eternity is secure. So death for you is not termination. It's a transition into eternity. Man, adventure and hope and joy and beauty and love beyond even our ability to comprehend is all yours. But your life still hangs in the balance. What kind of life are you going to live? See, your spiritual enemy, the devil, wants you to live a defeated life, a, a, a life of stagnation, a stuck life, a lost life, a frustrating life, a purposeless life, a meaningless life. That's his plan for you. Your eternity might be secure, but your life still hangs in the balance. It's going to come after you in three ways. 
Can the devil really come after me? Oh yeah, he can and he will. He always does. Can't own you, but he'll come after you in three ways. He'll try to influence you, then he'll try to impact you, and then he will try to control you. It's a little bit less sensationalistic than maybe it sounds. It's not like you're gonna walk out of here today and a demon's gonna spring out from behind a bush and rip out your entrails. That's probably not gonna happen, okay? (laughs) 10 days ago, 10 days ago, went for dinner in Abbotsford with my wife, Corinne. What a dinner, incredible. We had uh, prime rib and twice baked potatoes. Come on, like how good is that, right? Then afterwards we had dessert, we had blizzards. And that was awesome also. And we hung, hung around with another couple who are really, really good friends of ours. It was just an amazing night. Amazing night. So I'm driving home from Abbotsford to Chilliwack. You know, that's how I drive. Driving the highway. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Okay. So I'm driving on the highway. And all of a sudden I get this thought in my mind. I should say this thing. <clears throat> and the thing that I'm about to say, I know for sure, absolutely certain, that it's going to make her in mad and hurt her feelings. I'm absolutely sure of it. You're like, what was it, Mike? I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you. <clears throat> I didn't tell her, you're just like your mom. Okay, if you're thinking I'm that stupid, I'm not. In fact, if I did tell you, it probably wouldn't seem like that big a deal to you, but I knew, I knew, I knew it was a big deal, okay? So by the way, when the devil comes to influence you, it's never gonna be something completely outlandish. I had never dreamed of doing anything that weird. No, it, it made sense to me in the moment. You know what, I have every right to say that. I should say that. It's gonna be really good, you know? <clears throat> so I said it, okay? Then I went from influence to impact. It was an awesome night up until that point, okay? Let's just, it wasn't up, it wasn't up until the right from there. Um, and, then, and then what can happen is you go to control. Well, that seems like a pretty big jump, doesn't it? I'll show you, you've met so many people that have taken this journey all the way to control, okay? So now I want you to imagine just for a second that every time one of those thoughts came into my mind, you know what I mean? Destructive thoughts. Tear people down thoughts. Criticize thoughts. Just find the negative thoughts. Every time one of them came into my mind, I was just like, let's go for it. Let's do it. Well, eventually that would have a, impact, and you've met these people, eventually it controls them. Have you ever heard the phrase, you always see what you're looking for? Have you heard that phrase before? There are people in the world today, you've met them. They've spent so much time gravitating, gravitating towards the negative, it's all they can see. It's shattered their relationships. It's destroyed their life. Because when they look around them at the people that are supposed to be close to them, all they can do is tear down. It's controlling them. That's his plan for you. Addiction is demonic. Addiction is a spiritual issue, by the way. So Mike, actually the physiology says that it's about cortisone and uh, serotonin and especially, of course, dopamine, right? Yeah, I, I know that, so does the devil. It's the neural pathways. Mm-hmm. I get it. <clears throat> so here's how it works. It starts out with influence. You come to a point where whatever, let's call it drug addiction. That 
you've heard your whole life that whatever that thing is, you shouldn't do it, it's really bad for you. But for some reason, in that particular moment, it's like, huh, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm gonna do that thing, okay? So whatever that is, okay, that's influence. You give in to the influence, and then eventually it moves to impact. Your life changes. At first, maybe it changes for the better. Man, I like that, that's cool. You know, it's a lot of fun, but, but, but eventually it's not so fun anymore and then it moves from impact to control. It controls you. L- let me make sure you hear me, whether you're watching online or in person. I just said a, a pretty, pretty controversial thing. Addiction is demonic. Addiction is a spiritual issue. That's why, by the way, that if you look throughout history, the only recovery programs that have ever had any success at all are ones that have at their core something called the 12 Steps. The 12 steps, the first three steps of the 12 steps can be summarized this way. I can't, God can, I think I'll ask him. I can't, God can, I think I'll ask him. And see, whatever, what, what happens every time when somebody just tries to break the physical aspect of that addiction, you know, work on the dopamine thing, work on the pathways, they can, they can have physical victory, but what happens every single time, they end up right back in that addiction again because the spiritual pathways, the bondage, the open doors in their life spiritually haven't been dealt with. How much do I love you right now? It is amen, because here's the thing. You will win. You will win. I can't. God can. I think I'll ask him. So number one, we need to be aware. But number two, we need to ask. Jesus is not a bully. He's not. He's not going to force his way into any area of your life without being invited. So we need to ask. We need to ask. The devil has a plan for you. He wants you to live a defeated Lost, broken, stuck, and stagnant life. Jesus has so much better. So much better. But you gotta ask. So before I go any further today, I wanna ask you the first question is this. Have you invited Jesus Christ, the Son of God, into your life? Your first step, by the way, your first step towards freedom, your first step towards victory, your first step towards a life worth living is that step. It's spiritual. If you find yourself stuck, lost, defeated, and you have not yet taken hold of the victory that Jesus won through his death and his resurrection, that's your next step. That's the most important step you will ever take towards freedom, towards victory, towards a life worth living. So why don't you just take a moment right now, if you could bow your heads and close your eyes, that'd be amazing. Let's take a moment of reflection. Jesus loves you. He died for you, he rose again for you. And he wants his victory to be your victory. He wants his victory to play out in your past, your present, your future, your forever. That's his plan. Everything that needed to be done has been done. All you need to do is take hold of it. So if you've never accepted invited Jesus Christ into your life with all heads bowed and all eyes closed. I want you to raise your hand right now, nice and high, because I want to pray for you. It's amazing. If you're watching online and it's safe to do so, and you feel like today is your day, please raise your hand. If your hand is up, 
hands up all over the place. You can put them down and I'm gonna pray out loud. I'm just invite you to pray silently along with me. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your victory. Thank you that your victory becomes my victory. So I ask you to be my savior. You died for me so that my sins could be forgiven so I could move past my past. I wanna do that. And Jesus, thank you that you rose again. I pray that you would give me the strength to live in freedom and hope and victory today, tomorrow, and forever. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate. Okay, so be aware, right? Be aware. There's a battle. We're in the 11 months right now. That's where we're at. We're in, the victory is certain, but the war still rages. You will win. You will win with God's help. You try to fight this alone, you will lose. Your eternity might be secure, but your life still hangs in the balance. So in light of that, what I've done is I've asked a prayer team of leaders from our church to be available all five weeks of this five-week series on spiritual warfare. They're gonna be hanging out on the wings right here beside the stage. I thought of giving you a big speech at this point, saying, you know what, if you go to get prayer after the service, you know, no one's gonna judge you. They're gonna just look at you and go, hey, another messed up dude, that's cool, right? And, and, and they're just gonna be happy for you. I'm not giving you a speech. Listen, Jesus is not a bully. You will win this thing. You will win this thing if you invite him in. You decide. See, for me, I wanna win. I wanna win, it's winning time, okay? That's what this series is. It's winning time. Let's go, let's win, let's invite him in. Whatever area of your life that you feel stuck, whatever area of your life, it should be easy, but it's not. It should make sense, but it doesn't. What is it for you? There's many of you right now, God's tapping you on the shoulder. Don't leave here without getting prayer. If you're watching online right now and you need prayer, just use our number, 604-670-3040. Reach out and we will be in contact with you. We will pray for you. We will support you. Lastly, if you're here right now and you're like, Mike, I don't really feel like there's just one big problem in my life that I need prayer for, but you got me a little spooked, you know? Like I'm a little freaked out now, thanks. No, li listen, 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 listen. I love you. I've been praying for you all week. If it wasn't true, I wouldn't tell you this. You will win. God, open their eyes, open their eyes, open their eyes, open their eyes that they will see all around you, horses and chariots, a fire, it's winning time. You will win this thing with his help. I love you guys. Invite everyone you know next week. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.